0: At this time, let's stand together. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. If you'll turn in your Bibles, and if you already have that pew Bible in hand, you can turn to page 896. We're going to be in John chapter 10, 1 through 18, for the next three weeks. Um, We're going to be looking at three things. The first one today, the sheep are purchased by the shepherd. Next week, we'll see where the sheep are called by the shepherd. And then finally, we'll see how the sheep are protected by the shepherd. So we will not go uh, 1 through 18 straight through. Today, actually, we're going to pick up in verse 11. That may throw you. It's okay. We're going to get through all 18 verses. But I wanted us to start today with the sheep are purchased by the shepherd. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, we'll read through verse 18. that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which points us to the good shepherd. We are sheep gathered today because we need the flock. We need one another. Father, as we have gathered together, we need the good shepherd. So would you work mightily among us, stir our hearts, whatever may be upon us today as we walked into this room. If it's sin, if it's guilt, uh, just a burden that we're facing, God, may we bring these things to you and say, take them, Lord we may set our eyes on christ we pray for those in this room who are not following the shepherd that today by your grace may the shepherd's staff come upon them and pull them into the flock and may they trust in the good shepherd we love you lord thank you for bringing us together amen amen you may be seated the sheep are purchased by the shepherd Jesus uses a figure of speech describing a sheep and a shepherd as we turn to John chapter 10. But once again, the disciples did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus explains it to them in clearer terms. But I have this question. Why did Jesus do this to his disciples? You know, use stories in which they did not understand. Was he playing mind games with them or trying to prove to them how intelligent he was. No, he is comparing himself to something that would be very familiar to them. They understood the shepherds and how the shepherds took care of sheep and sheep followed their shepherd, but what they did not understand is why was he talking about shepherds and sheep with them? It's at this moment when the good shepherd draws them in close. He brings in his sheep and he reveals to them their great need for the good shepherd. And my hope for you today is that you are brought in close within the flock as a sheep and that you trust in the good shepherd. Number one, Jesus is the good shepherd. He says it twice in these 18 verses. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Notice a few things. One, Jesus is not just a good shepherd, as if he were one of many good shepherds qualified to take care of sheep. Jesus is a good Savior. If that religion works for you, you follow that shepherd. I choose to follow Muhammad. He's a good shepherd for me. No, Jesus is not just a good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, the one and only, the only shepherd qualified to care for the sheep of his flock. And also, Jesus is not just the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. It's not enough just to highlight him as the shepherd you should look to, but that he is indeed good. So, how come he is not great? Why is he just good? Does good just equal okay? Was Jesus selling himself short with the disciples? Was he being modest by just saying good as if good is okay? I referred to an AT&T wireless commercial not too long ago, tattoo artist, where he says, stay in your lane, bro. I saw another one not long ago about an okay mechanic. And the guy goes in to see the mechanic, he says, how's my car? He says, hey, if the brakes don't stop it, something will. <laughs> That's what an okay mechanic would say to you. Is Jesus just an okay shepherd Maybe you can rely on him, but maybe not everything he tells you is good. Just an okay shepherd is not okay. He is the good shepherd. And this word good in the Greek is kalos. It expresses beauty as a harmonious completeness, a a balance or proportion. It's good as to quality and character. If you've been with us through this study in John, it's not the first time we've come across this word good. If We look back in John chapter two, when Jesus turned water into wine, the master of the feast came up and said, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine, kalos, wine until now. What was the master of the feast saying? He's saying, you have served us the most excellent wine. Now, if you would like to debate whether that was the purest form of grape juice or real wine, Pastor Joby's going to hold a class on it this week. You can go see him. All right. You got that, right, bro? You good? The wine in John chapter 2 was one of a kind. No one had ever had wine like the wine that Jesus served. And the good shepherd is one of a kind. There's not a shepherd on this earth who has ever lived or ever will be who is like the good shepherd. He is one of a kind. In fact, when he says, I am, when Jesus says, I am, listen carefully to what comes behind it. When Jesus says, I am, he means no one else can fill that role i am the light of the world i am the good shepherd no one else can fill that role except jesus as a good shepherd jesus shows supreme balance of bravery and peace he is tough yet tender he shows discipline and love he displays authority and humility. His authority and humility is presented before us in verses 11 and 18. I'll read them to you. The good shepherd lays down his life, humility, for the sheep. No one takes it from me, humility, but I lay it down of my own accord, authority. I have authority to lay it down, humility. I have authority to take it up again. Here in these verses, we see the greatest humility and the greatest power, supreme balance, unlike any other. Here we see the difference between a good shepherd and a hired hand. One lays down his life for his sheep and the other abandons the sheep and runs for his life. So who is the hired hand? Well, there's some debate who the hired hand could be. But fitting within the context of where John has taken us so far, it seems that the most likely would be the scribes and Pharisees. They were teachers, but yet they acted as rulers over the people. They took their position and lorded it over others. They did not care for the sheep. They cared for themselves. They were lousy shepherds. If we look back into the Old Testament, we can see that there were lousy shepherds then, and there were lousy shepherds to come. Ezekiel 34, 1 through 4. And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel The strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Not only were they lousy shepherds, they were lazy shepherds, unwilling to do the work which was necessary for the sheep to be saved and to be safe. Jesus came and did the hard work as only the good shepherd could ever do. In John chapter 10, five times in four verses, Jesus promises to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, you may sing a beautiful love song to that special someone in your life. And within that song, it may talk about you laying down your life for them. I would give my life for you. And that's noble. That's good. Maybe for their safety, you would sacrifice your life, but yet when you're gone, who's gonna stand there to protect them? When Jesus gives his life, it does not mean that his sheep are then left without a shepherd. In order for him to be the good shepherd over them, he had to give his life. And indeed he did, but he had the authority to raise it up again. So although he lays down his life because that was the plan, It was also the plan that he would rise up. Jesus Christ led the way in creation. He made this world. And it's interesting, there's an intern with NASA. He's only been there three days. I was reading this in the news, and already he found a new planet. How amazing is that? Oh man, this this intern, he's going to be something special. Or is it the technology that he's able to use to see that there's other planets out there, there's other places? Stars that had never been seen before, galaxies. People go, wow, look at this place. But yet, it's Christ who made all of these things. He's going, yeah, I made that years ago. (laughs) And I made you. And I put you on this earth. I led the way of creation. But he also led the way for a new creation. Because his very first creation rebelled against him and was leading people to death. Yet Christ comes to lead his sheep as a new creation. And he led his sheep as he went to the cross to lay down his life. We needed someone to take the lead because we could all die for each other, but for what purpose? And for these hired hands, they could speak eloquently. They could point back to the scriptures, but they would abandon the sheep when the wolves would arrive. And so, we needed a good shepherd to purchase us as his very own. The good shepherd purchased his sheep with his own blood. What does a good, most excellent shepherd do? He didn't give his life as a martyr. He didn't give his life only as a model, but he gave his life as a sacrifice. Why was a sacrifice necessary? Because the sheep were in real danger. In biblical times, shepherds were responsible for their sheep If wolves came into the field, the shepherd would defend his sheep with his very own life. Shepherding requires facing predators on behalf of the sheep. So before we talk about the sheep and receiving the blood of Christ, we must answer the question, how are we as sheep in danger? Well, number one, we're in danger of sin. Because of the first Adam and rebelling against God, everyone who comes from him rebels against God. We are born into sin. You may not believe that today. We could meet after the service today. You could come up to me and say, I just refuse to believe that that precious baby was born a sinner. But we'll go to the text. We'll wrestle with it together. And I'm confident that indeed what we find is that we come from the first Adam. And because we come from the first Adam, we all inherit a sinful nature. Which means we're in danger. We are alienated from the God who created us. It doesn't matter if you were born into a home of parents who loved Jesus If you have not repented and trusted in Christ, you're alienated from God. You may have been in the local church your whole life, but never come to a point of repentance and trusting in Christ. You are alienated from God, you are separated from Him. Jesus came because we were sheep in need of a shepherd, alienated from God due to our sin. Not only our sin, But judgment, because of our sin, we will face a judgment, a judgment in which we must stand for the things that we did here on this earth. If God indeed reigns and we hold to the Bible that, yes, he does, then one day we will stand before him to give an account for our lives. And if we give an account for sin, we are finished. Jesus is responsible for his sheep. And as the sheep are in danger, they're in danger of the wrath of God. And so Jesus came to die for his sheep, meaning he came and took the judgment of God that is to be upon the sheep. And he took it upon himself, meaning the sins that you have committed, the sins that I have committed against God, Today and yesterday and the day before. And if he gives us a tomorrow, I guarantee you there's going to be some sin in our lives tomorrow. Jesus paid for that sin when God showed his wrath towards Jesus on the cross. He took on the judgment. No one will survive the judgment of God if they have to stand and give an account for their own sins. No one. So Jesus came for a sheep to save them from this judgment. And then we were also in danger of death. Because of our sin leading to judgment, we deserved death and we were headed towards death. Whether you like to think of dying or not, maybe you have so worked yourself into a position that you don't even consider that you could die anytime soon. But yet the reality is before us every second of every day. And yet we're not just talking about a physical death. We're talking about a death that it's much worse than just leaving this earth and going into eternity. We're talking about a death that when you enter into eternity, suffering and damnation is all you will ever know. Because of sin and judgment, there is a future death for millions of people who rebel against God. Jesus came and he laid down his life for the sheep and every sheep of his was purchased by his death, saved by his death and resurrection. Isaiah 53, verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did God do at the cross? He took the iniquity of the sheep and He laid it upon the shepherd, so the shepherd made payment for the sheep. I wanted to start here, as we see in John chapter 10, with the shepherd purchasing the sheep, so that we will be grateful as His sheep, that we didn't just wander into the flock. We didn't mistakenly bump into other sheep and go, hmm, I like you. I think I will be a sheep as well. You were purchased by the shepherd. Anyone that is a sheep has been purchased by the shepherd and saved from sin, judgment, and death. What about those of the Old Testament? How were they saved? Well, since we've already studied through the book of Hebrews, when we look to the book of Hebrews, what we know is that not a single person was ever saved by the blood of bulls and goats and sheep. Never saved anyone in the Old Testament, which makes it a hard argument for anyone who would say that you must be baptized to be a follower of Jesus Christ because you go, what about for all of those people in the Old Testament? How then were they saved? You're talking about millions upon millions of people. They weren't baptized. How were they saved? That puts one in a difficult position to say, well, they were saved by the sacrifices. Then you discredited Hebrews. No. Those in the Old Testament were saved by looking forward to the shepherd. How did they believe if he had not died for them yet? Because this transaction took place before the world began. We'll go there in Scripture. Don't worry if you're going, "Uh uh-oh, where's he going with this? (laughs) Those who are in the Old Testament, those who are there at the time of Christ, those in the New Testament, those who come after all of us who are sheep, all of us who trust in the shepherd, we all look back to the cross and trust that he paid for our sin, faced judgment for us, and he died for us. He took on our iniquities. He made real payment at the cross. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. The father loves him because he was obedient. Not only because he was obedient, he was obedient because he loved the father. Christ laid down his life for the sheep. Romans 5, 6 through 8. This word for means on behalf of someone, for the sake of someone. Our faith does not enact the atonement. The atonement enacts our faith. A faith that is living and active. What does that mean? If Jesus died for his sheep, his sheep will follow him. If Jesus died for his sheep, his sheep will trust in him. If Jesus died for his sheep, his sheep will be saved. There was a real judgment handed down upon the shepherd at the cross, a real judgment. Real iniquities were placed upon the shepherd at the cross. And there was a real payment that was made at the cross so that sheep could follow the shepherd. What's our confidence today as the church is that Christ died for us. How can we boldly confess this? Because we somehow wandered to the sheepfold no, we boldly confess this because Jesus died for us. He died for us. Most assuredly, you can trust and know that the work that happened on the cross, if you place your faith and trust in the good shepherd, indeed, he has died for you. On behalf of you, for the sake of of you he laid down his life which means he purchased you which means you're valuable because you were bought with the blood of Christ Jesus nothing more valuable have you ever considered that ever thought about that nothing more valuable than the blood of Jesus that was shed for us church you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not that important. I'm not that gifted. I'm not as recognized as this person over here. My life's not as great as this person over here. I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm a somebody, but I'm not a, a great somebody. But do you trust in the shepherd?" Do you believe that he's purchased you at the cross? You are of great value. Great value. I share this with you so that we as sheep will have confidence in the good work of our shepherd. No one else could do this work. No one else. No other religion. No other savior. No one but Jesus. There's only one, and he is the good shepherd. How valuable are the sheep of the good shepherd? Well, in the Old Testament, we see that sheep were considered clean. We in Christ have been made clean through the shedding of his blood. We are free from the debt of our sin. If you're struggling with your salvation, and you're thinking, I've done some awful things, I've had some horrible thoughts towards other people. What if, what if I go and stand before God and he says, you know what? I wanted to save you, but you were really rotten. You really did not have a good grasp of what grace was all about. Change my mind about you. No, you're not one of mine. All of those who are sheep, will at one time or another wander from the flock. You will find yourself alone. Many times on purpose. In practical ways, you could find yourself distant from this local church on purpose, like you just do not want to come. (laughs) Because if you know if you come, you're going to have to face the word of God. And so you take some time away. Or... Being around the flock is messy and complicated, and there are conflicts at times, and yet you decide to distance yourself so that you can have space, and yet you realize now that that space is exactly where the enemy wants you, all by yourself so he can attack you. There are many ways in which we can find ourselves separated, many ways in which we still sin. But if you trust in the good shepherd, payment has already been made. Already been made. That brings about repentance in our life, gratitude in our life, thankfulness in our life. As I was spending time with some brothers in Christ this past week, we're sitting there and we're confessing our sins. 100% of what's going on in our lives. Do you know how rare that is, to be in the company of someone that you can share 100% of your life with? And as we're sharing 100%, we're thinking, aren't we rotten? But yet, one of the brothers spoke up and he says, this is sanctification. Right here, when we realize that yes, we sin and we need the savior. We need the shepherd. That's what sheep are aware of. Their need for the shepherd. Those who are goats have no need for the good shepherd. And today, as you sit here, you're either a sheep or you're a goat. You're not a sheep goat. You're not a goat that turns into a sheep or a sheep that turns into a goat. You're either a goat or you're a sheep. How do I know? You wanna be a sheep, you wanna trust, you wanna follow, trust the good shepherd. That's all there is for us to figure out when it comes to sheep and goats. Trust the good shepherd. You're valuable. He's placed his blood upon you. Sheep are prone to wander from the flock and sheep are also helpless without a shepherd to watch over and protect them. We have 24 seven security on this earth doesn't feel like it all the time. We face sickness. We have death. Yes, indeed, we do. These things we will face on a broken earth. They are painful. They're heartbreaking. But you are secure in that the shepherd will never lose sight of you. He'll never lose sight of you. Has there been a time recently when you've called upon the good shepherd and just said, thank you, that your eyes are always on me? Thank you. We have eternal security on this earth and for the new heaven and the new earth to come. We are safe. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. You say, but does he really care for me? Of all the analogies that Christ could have used, he went with the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. No greater love between God the Father and God the Son. We have security under the shepherd's watch and within the shepherd's flock. And within this flock, there is a great love that has been bestowed on all of us. If you are a sheep, he loves you. I can never understand when I'm talking to my mom when I'm a kid and I'm going, okay, explain something to me. Do you love me just as much as you love my sister? She says, yes, I love you the same. The exact same? Like the exact same, really? Like you don't love me a little more than you love her at times? How do you love us the exact same? And she says, you'll never understand it until you're a parent. But I love you the exact same. But nothing different? Well, yeah, there's some different things about you. But the exact same, Mom? The exact same? Some of you may just say, that's that's not me. I I actually love one of my kids more than the others. (laughs) Jesus loves us all the exact same. Say, how much? It's it's the same love that he has between him and his Father. How is this possible? Because he purchased you. He purchased you when you were ungodly, unwilling, rebellious. So as you continue to struggle in life, just keep trusting in the Good Shepherd and he loves you the same, the same. We have security under the shepherd's watch and within the shepherd's flock, and sheep not only are secure, but we are useful animals. Sheep use their wool, and it provides covering and warmth. I want to share this with you. We as sheep have a God-honoring purpose on this earth. What's my purpose? To be a sheep? To be a sheep. That's your purpose here on this earth. We as Christians are made useful through Christ and we carry forth the gospel so that others may receive the covering for their sin through the shed blood of Christ and receive the warmth of hope in Christ. That they'll receive this truth, they'll receive this hope just as you have hope in this, that they'll have hope in the good shepherd. There's not a single person on this present earth that we would look to and go beyond salvation. No way would that person ever be a sheep. There's no way that they could trust in the good shepherd. No, we go to them. We take to them the good news and the warmth of the hope in Christ. Maybe the one person that you think is beyond repair is the one person that you need to go to this week and share the good news with. It's not for us to worry whether our children are sheep or not. It's for us to daily point them to the shepherd every day knowing that the shepherd cares for his sheep. It's not for us to go picking and choosing. That's where people get caught up and get in the weeds here. It's for us to go proclaim the good shepherd. And that those who are sheep, as we'll look at next week, they hear the call. They'll know the shepherd's voice. Then Jesus says this, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Much debate about who these sheep are, whether they're other sheep within Jerusalem, or whether it's the Gentiles, or all those in the future who will come. But notice he says, not I may have some other sheep. He says, I have other sheep. I have other sheep. I. Jesus must bring them also. What's the response? They will hear his voice. How can we have confidence in this? When he says, I have other sheep, they have been given to him from the father. The father gives the son the sheep and as a good shepherd, as the good shepherd, he watches over them. One will not be lost. Ephesians 1, 4. Paul is addressing the church. And this is how he encourages them. He says, even as he, God the Father, chose us in him, Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world. There was a setting apart before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Say, I'm not so sure about that. Can you go a little further? Listen, I understand that this is a difficult doctrine when it comes to election. I get that. And I get if you may be wrestling over this right now. But as one who is convinced that, yes, there is an election and that God did set apart his children before the foundation of the world so that Christ would one day come and pay for the children so that the children would one day believe and follow, it is here before us you know that one day when you stand before God, your hope is that your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the way I was taught this as a kid is that, man, I better be a really good Christian because I want my name to be written in that book. It's not that God has pen in hand and that he's watching the behavior of all the people on earth and he's going, "Mm mm-hmm, I like where you're headed. I'm going to go ahead and start writing in your first name right now. You keep on, I'll put that middle initial. You end it well, I'll put your last name. When were the names written to the book of life? Revelation 13:8. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world and the book of the Lamb who was slain. Jesus knows each and every one of his sheep, and not a single one of them will be lost. We are assured of this because Jesus has purchased his sheep and made them his very own. Church, this ought to encourage and motivate and inspire us to live each and every day With a great purpose of making much of the Good Shepherd. Maybe you lost me, or maybe I lost you somewhere in the middle of this message. Just come back right here at the end, okay? How should we live in light of His great purchase? We follow the Shepherd's lead, we follow the Shepherd's lead. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As sheep who have been purchased by the good shepherd, we must recognize it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives within us. What are you going to do in this new year? What new year's resolutions do you have? No matter what they are, may your testimony be, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How do I have confidence in this? Because the good shepherd has purchased me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Straightforward message of the good shepherd. His work of purchasing us on the cross. Here's my prayer before you, Lord. That as we as the church, as we hear that Christ has purchased us, the sheep, that this message would not lead us to be lazy and ungrateful, but it would propel us into the weak. It would make us glad and most sure that the reason that we trust in the Good Shepherd is because He came and found us first. He made us His very own. We are no longer ourselves, but we are in Christ. Father, may we put our flesh to death every day and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom You have so graciously put within each of Your children, within each of Your sheep, And may we go forth and provide hope for those who are in the darkness. May we go to our co-workers. May we go to our family members. May we go to the one that we have written off. And may we once again take the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with them. May we not be lazy in our evangelism, Lord. May we be steadfast. May we be a people that reach people in the name of Jesus. May we be strong. May we be determined. May we be unwavering. May we be unashamed. May we live with purpose. May we pray for the lost and may we go to the lost, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where at times we have been a people who have sat back and enjoyed this truth of being your sheep, but we have not carried forward the commands you have given us as your sheep. May we be faithful sheep this week. And our confidence is that we have been paid for. Never do we have to worry about being lost, misplaced, forgotten. The shepherd always has us in his watch. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.